Amen. I'll invite you to turn your Bibles tonight to Hebrews chapter 11. This is healing school, and so we always minister along the lines of healing, faith and or healing in, uh, in some manner. Um, tonight I want to talk to you about the subject of faith. The Bible tells us in the four Gospels that it identifies 19 individual cases of healing in Jesus' ministry. Now, it seems to us perhaps that it might be more than that. Um, and, um, and if you count it in different ways, I guess there would be. But it, I'm not talking about where the multitudes were healed or groups of people were healed or so forth. I'm talking about 19 cases of individual healings. Uh, many of the Gospels, several of the Gospels re- relate the same ones. And so it would seem to us that there are more. But if you divide them out, it's talking about 19 individual cases. Of those 19... About 70, a little over 75%, a little over three quarters of them were healed on their own faith. Jesus spoke things to, uh, to those that were healed uh, along the lines of your faith has made you whole. Uh, according to your faith, be it unto you. Uh, be it unto you even as thou hast believed. A variation of the different uh, ways to say it, but it's all the same thing. He credits the source of their healing, not as the power of God, which we all know Healing comes from God. We all know that that you can't be healed other than the power of God. But instead of crediting the power of God, Jesus always credited the individual's faith. Or in most of the cases he did. There were a few times where God initiated things on his own. There were a few times where uh, where we don't know if somebody was in faith or not. The Bible doesn't give us enough evidence or information for us to draw a conclusion. But in Hebrews chapter 11, I want to talk to you tonight about one of the most basic and... um, primary truths of the subject of faith that you'll ever ever know, uh, ever consider, ever need to know. And that is faith is a spiritual sense. Faith is a spiritual sense. Now in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, there is uh, given to us a Bible definition of faith. It speaks to two characteristics. You'll notice uh, from the King James it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. And the evidence of things not seen. It's talking about two specific characteristics. I want to talk about the last one. Let's ignore the substance of things hoped for. Although it has, um, it has a connection to what we're saying. I don't want to get bogged down. But rather want to just try to keep things as simple as I can. Because faith is not meant to be. Or is not intended by God to be something. That is a roadblock or a barrier to people receiving. It's supposed to be something that's simple enough for everybody to be able to operate in. I think a lot of times through lack of teaching in the body of Christ, people don't have a clear understanding of what faith is. And so you start talking about the subject of faith and, uh, and people talk in a general sense, oh, yeah, well, I believe God. Well, what does that mean? I've had people come up to me and ask me to pray for their healing. And I say, well, what are you believing for? Oh, I believe God. What does that mean? You believe there is a God? You know, and in a lot of cases, that's as far as somebody goes. Somebody will say, well, I, 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 I was healed before. And they'll tell me some story about how God in his mercy did something for them 20 years ago that had nothing to do with their faith whatsoever. And they think that they're believing God and, and the, the simple statement of I'm believing God will produce uh, results according to God's mercy without any responsibility on their own. And unfortunately... After pastoring for 30 years here at this church and being in the ministry for several years more than that, I've found that God does not give handouts when instead we have the opportunity 
to take responsibility for ourselves as the children of God. Now, God will do a lot of things for baby Christians. But most people are not bona fide baby Christians. They may still be baby Christians in, in the sense of they've never matured. They may have been saved for 30 years and never matured. But that's not a bona fide baby Christian. God expects us to grow in the knowledge of his word, to mature, to grow up. The Bible says so. Speaking the truth in love, we should grow up in him. Amen? So tonight I want to deal with what I believe to be one of the most basic and fundamental truths of the subjects of faith, and that is that faith is a spiritual sense. Notice Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. One translation say, well, several translations actually, say faith is the title deed for things not seen. Faith is the title deed for things not seen. Moffat's translation says it this way. Faith means we're convinced of what we don't see. Now, folks, I want you to understand something right off the bat, and that is faith deals with the unseen. Faith deals with the unseen. Faith deals with the unseen, not the seen, not the physical realm. Faith deals with the unseen. Now, we're going to expand on this uh, statement a little bit as we go tonight, but I want to just throw it out there for you to consider uh, early on, and that is, if faith deals with the unseen, and the Bible is very clear, faith is the evidence, faith is the title deed of that which we cannot see, then why in the world should we allow what we can see to disturb or hinder our faith? Faith never deals with the seen. Bible faith never deals with the seen. It always deals with the unseen. Now, the devil will always try to attack you with what you can see. He'll bring thoughts to your mind based on the things that you can see or the things that you can feel, things of this natural realm, the seen realm rather than the unseen realm. But if faith deals with things not seen, meaning the unseen realm, the invisible realm, meaning the spiritual realm, if faith deals with the things not seen, then why should any physical circumstance allow us to doubt our faith? Do you understand the point I'm trying to make? We know how the natural, the five physical senses work. Uh, let's see if I can name them all. There's the, the uh, taste, sight, hearing, feeling, and smelling. Did I get them all? Have you ever noticed they all, all operate independently of one another? You can see things you can't hear. You can smell things you can't see. They all operate independently of one another. Now, let's say somebody smells perfume. Maybe you're sitting close to somebody that's wearing perfume. You can smell the perfume. You can't look and see who it's coming from. Now, wouldn't it be silly? Let's say you're sitting there with your husband or your wife or whoever, and you lean over and one of you says to the other, well, I can smell somebody's perfume. And then the other one, in response, looks around and says, well, I don't see any coming off of anybody, so I think you're wrong. We wouldn't even consider doubting one of our five physical senses because it's not confirmed by another one of our five physical senses, would we? Well, in that same manner, faith is our sixth or spiritual 
sense. It's not one of the five physical senses. It's not of the natural man. Remember what Paul said writing to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul said, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Neither can he receive them because they're foolishness unto him. Well, what is that natural man? Well, one, uh, one aspect of the natural man is the five physical senses. The five physical senses cannot receive of the things of God. They can't receive of the things of the Spirit of God. They cannot receive of healing. Healing is of God. The five physical senses, the natural man, cannot, doesn't say it won't, doesn't say it's hard to, it says he cannot receive of the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him. Why? Because they're spiritually perceived or discerned. They're spiritually perceived. The things of the Spirit of God have to be dealt with with a spiritual sense, not a physical sense. Well, what is that spiritual sense? This thing called faith. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for. I'm sorry, it's the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Now, you need to understand something else about when we talk about faith. Uh, the water gets kind of muddy sometimes because when, when I'm talking about faith and for the subject, purpose of this uh, topic tonight, I'm talking about Bible faith. We use faith in, in general ways, and the church uses it in all kind of uh, uh, casual, uses the term casually, and I think it brings misunderstanding among a lot of people about what it really is. As I said before, a lot of people have said to me, well, I believe God, and they can't define what they mean by that. Faith is defined by the Scripture. Bible faith is believing in the heart and saying with the mouth. It's believing with the heart and saying with the mouth. Hebrews 11.1, 1, as we just said, is the evidence. Faith is the evidence of things you can't see. In other words, faith believes according to what the Word of God says, Romans 10.17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. Faith believes according to what the Word says or reveals and speaks accordingly. Not according to what it can see. Not according to the five physical senses. But according to what the Word says is real. Now, in that context... I want to sharpen your definition of things. For example, I'm going to give you an example here, and hopefully I can show you the difference between how some people use uh, the word faith or the, the term faith and what the Bible refers to. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Well, then wouldn't that mean that as soon as you can see something, faith ends? It would have to. If faith is the evidence of things not seen, if faith deals with or is connected with the unseen, then as soon as you see something, faith comes to an end. Now, I've got a $50 bill in my left front pocket. How many of you believe I'm telling you the truth? Well, there are a couple of people that believe me. (laughs) Now, let me ask you this. What would be the basis... For you making the decision of whether or not to believe what I said or not. Okay, I said so. So it comes down to character. Now I'm not talking about I might be kidding or anything like that. Let's let's keep things in a specific sense. So it comes down to character. You would either believe or refuse to believe, choose to believe or choose to, to choose not to believe based on my character. Based on the integrity of my word. Right? Okay. So let me. I'm going to make you commit. 
How many of you ever believe I've got a $50 bill in my left pocket? All right, you can put your hands down. There's a $50 bill. How many of you believe I've got a $50 bill now? Why do you believe it when you can see it? See, once you can see it, there's no believing to it. Now you know I've got a $50 bill. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Now, this is the way the devil tries to trip you up. The devil says, you may extend your faith for healing. Say, well, the word of God says Jesus took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses, and with his stripes I'm healed. So I believe I'm healed in the name of Jesus. And then the devil tries to show you something that contradicts that and says, well, you can't be healed because you don't feel any better. You can't be healed because the doctor says you're still sick. You can't be healed because you can see in your body that nothing has changed, whatever the case might be. In each case, he's using one of your five physical senses to influence your mind, physical circumstances, to influence your mind, to affect what you believe in your heart and say with your mouth because that's the definition of Bible faith. To believe in your heart and say with your mouth is the evidence of that which you cannot see. It's the evidence of the unseen realm. Let's put it in another context. Let's say you're the beneficiary of a rich man's will. You're rich. You become rich as soon as that man dies. It has no bearing whatsoever on your knowledge of it. It has no bearing whatsoever on the notification that they give you. It has nothing to do with the reading of the will. The fact that the man placed you or named you as beneficiary of his will, as soon as he dies, you are a rich person, rich individual. His possessions become yours, right? In reality, they're yours. Now, whether or not you ever take advantage of them has to do with knowledge. Whether or not you ever partake of them has to do with the processing or the, the, uh, the implementing of his will. And those are legal matters. But the reality is, when he named you as his will, all that was uh, named you in his will as his beneficiary, then the only thing that was necessary for you to become the possessor, or maybe we should say the owner, of all of his goods was his death. Do you know what the Bible refers to? Do you know what the New Testament is all about? It's the written will of God because of the death of Jesus. Everything in the Bible is a revelation of what belongs to you because Jesus died. If Jesus didn't die, none of it's yours because it's all based on his sacrifice. Every bit of it is based on his sacrifice. Now, one of the things thing we'll focus on tonight that the Bible says that Jesus died for, we'll refer to Isaiah 53, 5 as a proof text. Isaiah 53, 5 says, that, talking about the sacrifice of Jesus, it says he was wounded for our transgressions. That means he shed blood for sins. He was bruised for our iniquities. Same thing, he shed blood for sins. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. That means there was punishment placed upon Jesus to pay the price for poverty, the curse of poverty on the earth. Still is talking about the shedding of blood. And with his stripes, the shedding of blood, we are healed. So Isaiah 53, 5, there are many other verses that we could give you to prove it as well. But just for the sake of um, um, saving time, we'll just stay, stick with that one. 
The Bible says in Isaiah 53, 5, that Jesus shed his blood for three things, sins, poverty, and sickness. Therefore, through the death of Jesus, the shedding of his blood that brought about his death, through the death of Jesus, three things belong to you. Redemption from sin, prosperity or provision, the absence of poverty, whatever terminology you want to use. Some people get uh, nervous when you talk about, use the word prosperity, whatever you want to call it. The overcoming or the solution to the curse of lack here in the earth. And thirdly, healing is what belongs to you. Those three things belong to you. Now, they don't belong to you because you know about it. They don't belong to you because you can quote Isaiah 53, 5. They belong to you because Jesus died for you to have them. Those things were the purpose for Jesus dying according to what the Bible says. They belong to you because Jesus accomplished that which was necessary to purchase them. He shed his blood to purchase redemption from sin, sickness, and poverty. They already belong to you. It's a spiritual truth, a spiritual reality. An unseen reality is that every person on the face of the earth has available to them or belongs to them redemption from sin, sickness, and poverty. Now, who's going to take advantage of it? Who's going to take possession of it? The ones that know. The ones that know. How do you take possession of it? The Bible says through faith, you're by grace, you're saved through faith. In other words, faith is the element because of the grace of the goodness of God to provide salvation for us. Without faith, no man can be saved. Faith in what? Faith in what Jesus did. Remember the Bible definition of faith. Faith is believing in the heart and saying with the mouth. It's the evidence of things not seen. Can I ask you a question? When we receive forgiveness of sins, whether it's uh, coming to Jesus for the first time and making him Lord of our lives or asking him to forgive us when we fail after we're Christians, how do we receive forgiveness? How does the Bible instruct us to receive forgiveness? Well, very simply by faith. Can forgiveness be seen? Can forgiveness be felt? Yet in spite of of forgiveness being an unseen force, an unseen reality, you can't see it, you can't feel it, we're supposed to accept forgiveness by faith. Why? Because the Bible says it belongs to us if we'll simply ask. Faith receives healing in the same way it receives forgiveness. In exactly the same way. In exactly the same way. Now, as I said, your five physical senses operate independently of one another. You can smell things that you can't see. However, you can't smell something that's not there. You can't see something that's not visible. You can't hear something that hasn't occurred. And I just got stumped on the other physical senses, but the same thing would be true for them. Your five physical senses don't work unless there's something in physical form some way or another, right? You can't taste food you don't have. 
You can't smell perfume that doesn't, that's not there. You can't see something that's not visible. You can't hear something that hasn't occurred. So the very reality of the physical senses, the five physical senses of the natural man, the reality is you have to have something before your your five physical senses can detect it. In the same way that the Bible says faith is a title deed or the evidence of things you can't see, it has to exist in order for you to have faith in it. You remember the story of the ten lepers? The ten lepers came to Jesus and they cried from afar off. They were not allowed to mix and mingle with people and there were a crowd of people around Jesus. So they stood on a hillside and hollered out and said, uh, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. There were ten of them. And Jesus hollered back to them. He said, Go show yourself to the priest. Now that may be a little blind to us if you don't understand the custom of the law of Moses and so forth. But when a leper was cleansed, he was required to show himself to the priest to be examined. It was to protect the the people and also to document the uh, legitimate cases of healing that occurred throughout the Old Testament. It'd be real easy for a leper to say, well, I'm I'm healed, I'm healed. But without some examination, he might still be contagious and, and infect other people. And so the law of Moses required for a specific examination before the priest for a leper who was cleansed. There was an offering that had to be made and so forth. And so Jesus, in saying, go show yourself to the, to the priest, is saying, receive your healing. The instruction that he gives them to obey is the instruction that only a healed leper would do. Now, the Bible says that the ten lepers were healed as they went. Can I ask you something? And I want you to think very specifically about this. When did healing belong to them? When they felt it, when they saw a change in their body, or when Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. Folks, Jesus saying, go show yourself to the priest is literally saying, receive your healing or you are healed. Healing belonged to them when Jesus spoke. Could they see it? Not immediately. What did they do? They acted in accordance with what Jesus told them, which is faith. Faith is acting like God's word is true. Faith is acting like Jesus told them the truth. So what I want you to see is their healing was real. It wasn't invisible form, but it was real. Just as real as if they could have seen it or felt it. It was real before they ever were able to see it. In the same way, the Bible says healing belongs to you. Why? Because Jesus purchased it. Yeah, but Pastor Mike, I prayed and I can't see any difference. And, and if only we were alive when Jesus was here on the earth. Because when Jesus told people just like the lepers, when he told the ten lepers, go show yourself to the priest, if there was just something we could do like that that would bring about our healing. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. I want you to turn with me to Mark eleven twenty four. Mark eleven twenty four. Jesus, speaking on the subject of faith, said, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire. What did those lepers desire? They desired healing. That's why they cried out, Jesus, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. They're asking for healing. What things soever you desire, when you pray. Now please notice he's telling you the time 
for the instruction he's going to give. When you pray, believe that you receive them, the things you desire, and for the, the purpose of our discussion tonight, believe that you receive healing. When you pray, believe that you receive healing, and you shall have healing. Now tell me the difference between Mark eleven twenty four and what Jesus told the lepers. Lepers cried out from the hillside, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus said, Go show yourself unto the priests. You don't do that as a leper. You don't do that unless you're healed. So Jesus is literally saying, Be healed. Go show yourself to the priest. Now keep the law of Moses. Go show yourself to the priest. So what did they do? They were required in order for their healing, which was already theirs, which was already an unseen reality. It became theirs. It became real as soon as Jesus spoke those words. But in order for those, that unseen reality to become visible and to affect a change in their body, in, their, in the physical realm, they had to act on what he said to do. Go show yourself to the priest. In other words, Jesus is saying, be healed. Now go show yourself to the priest and you'll have your healing. The reality of healing in an invisible form will become a reality in, in, in the physical realm. Through the action of obedience, which is faith. Tell me the difference in that and Jesus saying, what things soever you desire, healing, for example. When you desire healing, those of you that desire healing, when you pray, believe that you receive healing and you shall have healing. Believe that healing is already accomplished by the death of Jesus. The price is already paid. Believe that you receive healing in invisible form. Can't see it yet can't feel it yet but believe that you receive it and you shall have it tell me the difference that's exactly what the ten lepers did exactly what the ten lepers did they acted on what jesus said why because they believed that what he told them was true what did he tell them go act like a healed leper present yourself to the priest as if you were healed And what happened? They were healed as they went. They were healed as they went. Now, folks, I want you to understand Mark 11, 24 tells you the one condition that is necessary whereby you will have your healing. And that is when you pray, believe that you receive healing. When you pray, believe that you receive healing. Jesus guaranteed and you shall have healing. You shall have healing. Now, having healing is the same thing as what we were talking about showing you the $50 bill. It shall come in physical, in physical, in visible, in physical and visible form. Excuse me, I'm getting my tongue tied. It's hard to say these things and make sure that people understand. It's yours already in invisible form. But if you want it to be yours in visible or physical form, then this is the condition. When you pray, believe that you receive healing and you shall have healing. It goes from believing that I've got the $50 in my pocket based on my word or my character to seeing it. Because once you see it, that's the end of faith. No faith is required from that point. Because now it's a physical reality. 
not just a spiritual truth, it becomes a physical reality. When Jesus said these words in Mark eleven twenty four, he's very clearly telling us that whatever we desire, for the sake of our discussion, we're talking about healing, but it's true for anything. Whatever we desire, whatever Jesus paid for, whatever belongs to us because of the death of Jesus, already exists as a spiritual truth and an invisible reality. It's already in the form of an invisible reality and spiritual truth. If we want to make it a visible reality and a physical truth, then the condition is very simple. When you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Folks, that's the confidence that we have that John said, John was talking about, First John 5, 14. He said, this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, we know he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know we have the petitions that we've desired. What is he saying? He's saying this is the confidence, the faith, the evidence of things not seen. The faith that we have is based on what the word of God tells us Jesus died for us to have. And if we pray according to his will, according to what the Bible says Jesus purchased for us, Adding in Mark eleven twenty four as the, the description Jesus gives, believing that we receive them, then we know that we have them. That's what John is saying. It's the same thing Paul was talking about to the Hebrews, where he said, Cast out away your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. What what confidence? What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. That's the confidence that brings the reward. That's the confidence that brings the reward. See, the devil always tells you that healing is not real. Oh, it's real. It's just, in the present time, it's just an invisible form. In fact, the Bible says everything that we can see in this natural and physical realm was created by unseen things. Unseen things. You know, that's the way God operated in creation. The Bible talks about God creating the worlds by faith. Jesus literally spoke the worlds into existence. The Bible says Jesus looked at the world. Darkness covered the face of the deep. Spirit of God was moving upon the waters. And what did Jesus do? Jesus said something that was real in the spirit realm, but not in this physical realm. He said, let there be light. Well, where does light come from? The Bible says God is light. So Jesus brought something from the physical, from the spirit realm a spiritual reality and brought it into the physical realm and made it a physical fact when he said let there be light or literally light be how did he bring something from the spirit realm into the natural realm through words and that's the same faith that he's describing in mark chapter 11 verses 23 and 24 verse 22 literally says jesus after having cursed the fig tree which dried up from the roots, not from the leaves. It was something that was operating before you could see the result in, in the, uh, the, the, the form of the tree. It started from the inside and worked outside, not otherwise. What did Jesus do? He said, have faith in God. One translation says, have the God kind of faith. What does a God kind of faith do? It takes spiritual realities and brings them into the physical realm. How? Through words. Faith believes in the heart and says with the mouth. Faith is your spiritual sense. It's literally your sixth 
sense. It's not of the natural man. It's not of the natural body. Because the natural man with his five physical senses cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. But faith can. Faith can. We make a statement that you need to be aware of and hold on to forever. God always heals when he can get a man to cooperate with him. Healing is not hit or miss. Ever. God always heals when he can get you to cooperate with him. How do you cooperate? Well, Jesus said, when you pray, believe that you receive healing and you shall have healing. It's the only condition he placed on it. When you pray, believe that you receive healing and you shall have healing. So that means if God can get you to cooperate by when you pray, believing that you receive your healing, you will always have your healing. It's a spiritual truth that cannot be broken. It's the word of God that cannot be changed. It's absolute truth that stands for eternity. God always heals when he can get a cooperation, get cooperation from man, always. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the privilege that we have to be moved only by what we believe, to be moved only by what your word says, and never by what we see or feel. We don't deny the circumstances around us. We just recognize that there's a greater spiritual truth that can change the circumstances that we see. It can change the things that we feel. It can change the conditions in our body. Therefore, Father, because we prayed according to your word, we believe that we receive our healing in Jesus' name. We refuse to cast away our confidence. We refuse to say anything to the contrary. We believe that we receive our healing. No matter what thoughts the devil brings to our minds, no matter what circumstances appear around us, no matter what we feel, whether we feel like we're getting better or things appear to be getting worse, we know your word is true and can never change. We know that Jesus purchased our healing through his precious blood for all of eternity. So we believe we receive our healing in Jesus' precious name. Thank you, Father, that you raise us up. Thank you that you work in a supernatural or even a miraculous way to see that we have it. Thank you, Father, that our faith brings that which we desire into physical reality. In Jesus' name, if you can agree with that, say amen. 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 Well, God bless you. Thank you for being with us.